What is up, Nux? Welcome to the Kumite Championship Preview Edition of Moose Tracks. The season was anything but ordinary, but we made it to the finish line after eight weeks of competition. Two perennial MK powerhouses are set to collide next week for the title. The deck was stacked against Sean this week, but he delivered a championship-worthy performance against Jimmy to punch his ticket. And on the other side of the bracket, yours truly wrote a superb pitching performance to a comfortable win over Fern. Taking a look at the finals history, this is Kamisha's seventh trip to the Kumite Finals and fourth appearance in the last five seasons, but a mediocre 3-3 three and three record in title games and on the losing end of each of my last two trips in three of the last four. If you ain't first, you're last, and I'm getting a little tired of these last place silver medals. Sean is making his third Kumite Finals appearance, where he holds a 1-1 and record. His most recent trip came in 2015, where he triumphed over Demand. Uh, his 2012 Finals loss was at the hands of, cue the dramatic music, Kamish. So let's take a look at the head-to-head history between Kamish and Sean in the Kumite. We faced each other three times. The first time in the 2011, uh, 2011 semifinals. We fought to a 6-6 draw, but I had the tiebreaker, so Mish went uh, on to the finals that year. We faced each other the next year, the 2012 finals. Uh, Mish laid the wood 9-2, and the last time we faced each other in the Kumite was 2016 in the semifinals, 12-0 Kamish. So if you're into betting the revenge angles, this is peak revenge game for Sean, looking to capture his second title and his first victory in the Kumite over an MK rival. An interesting note, all three years that I have played Sean in the playoffs, 2011, 2012, 2016, I've gone on to win the league. Strange but true trends. You won't find those anywhere else but here on Moose Tracks. Let's take a look at the offensive stat profiles, and really it's a tale of two offenses going in very different directions. Kamish entered the playoffs uh, after week six with the highest ranked offense in the league according to the power rankings but the bats have been ice cold over the last two weeks hitting 219 with a 671 ops the speed's been there uh, eight swipes last week and nine or ten this week but the bats really need to wake up to avoid a third straight kumite finals loss on the whole uh, the average line from Kamish this season looks a little bit like this. About a 250 batting average, 792 OPS, 15 homers, 5.5 steals, 55 runs scored, and 48 RBIs. Now, Sean's offense sputtered out of the gates. If you recall, he was uh, we were ripping on him the first few weeks because his record seemed to really outpace his stats plus. Um, pretty lackluster for the first few weeks of the season, but he's catching fire lately. And that's when it matters. His average weekly line this season, uh, 263 batting average, 824 OPS, 16 homers, about four steals, 52 runs, and 53 RBIs. So if you took our average week at face value, Sean would capture average OPS, homers, and RBIs en route to a 4-2 to two victory on offense, albeit with some pretty tight margins across the board. Um, of course, hitting opportunity uh, or volume plays a big role in all of this. And this week, we're evenly matched at 93.5 starts per week on the offensive side. So completely 
completely deadlocked, completely even as far as opportunity on the offensive side. Let's see here. Some hitter notes. Sean does have Giants outfielder Alex Dickerson. He was placed on the paternity list yesterday, that being Saturday. He'll be out of action for a few days, but I think he'll be back on Tuesday. I believe the paternity list is a three-day max, so he'll be back pretty soon here. Cole Calhoun, he's bopped six homers in the last five games. Going to need him to calm his ass down. And speaking of red hot, Jose Abreu, he's at 330, 18 home runs, 52 RBIs. Um, he's ranked fourth in all of MK. I knew he's having a good year. He's having a great year. What a pickup that was. A couple notes for Mish. Alec Baum is back in the lineup today after sitting out yesterday due to illness. Not COVID-related, obviously. Need him back as only Alec Baum, Trent Grisham, and Brandon Lau. Those are the only guys on the hitting side of the house for me that are in the top 100 for the last two weeks. When I say this lineup has been ice cold, I'm not kidding. My guys have not hit. Gonna have to turn that on pretty quickly. Looking at the pitching side, similar to the hitting categories, pitching should be a nail-biter really all week. Uh, Commission's average pitching line is four wins, four saves, 68 strikeouts, a 3-8 ERA, a 1-2 whip, and a 3-5 K to walk. Sean counters with a shade over four wins and four saves, so just a fractional edge there. 58 Ks, pretty clear advantage for Mish. A four ERA, one, two, three whip, and three, two, eight K to walk. So advantage Mish in all the ratios, but all very close, much like the edges that Sean has offensively. And these stats, by the way, are pretty much through yesterday. So I looked at the power rankings, Updated and accounted for the stats in, in the last couple weeks, even though those aren't in the power rankings. Just did a quick little number crunch. So these are pretty accurate and up to date. Um, anyhow, so much like offense, all six categories close enough to go either way. But if we take them at face value, then Mish would take K's in all three ratios and a 4 2 win on the pitching side. So if you're keeping track at home, that would leave us at 6 6. So this week, Ought to be tighter than a frog's asshole. If it ends up at 6-6, six, six, I'll be happy with that. I do have the tiebreaker. Um, Sean and I faced each other in week four or five, whenever that was, um, and I did get the best of them. So the tiebreaker does belong to old Mishman here. Um, let's see here. So pitching production, we know that largely varies based on the number of starts and the quality of lineups they're facing. So let's take a deeper look, as we did last week on the preview. So beginning with Kamish, only one two-star pitcher this week. That's Chicago White Sox rookie Dane Dunning. He will go at Cleveland um, and then home versus the Cubs. Cleveland, very nice matchup, 23rd best. So what is that, seventh worst offense against right-handed pitching. Cubs about the middle of the pack. My comment on Dunning last week was that he had been great so far, but he hadn't faced anyone good, and he hadn't. But he passed his test versus the Minnesota Twins this past week. So a little bit battle-tested, like those two matchups. In no particular order, the other pitchers I'm rolling out there, Jordan Montgomery, Yankee Southpaw, at Toronto. So Toronto, they're, they're kind of whatever against lefties, but that they're, where they're playing in Buffalo this year is, is like mini Coors, Coors Light, if you will. Um, so it's a launching pad. When you look at how they rate versus lefties at home, there's that nice friendly park. They're the sixth best offense. So that's a tough that's a tough assignment for Jordan Montgomery. Been striking a lot of guys out lately, though. Probably going to have to roll him out there. Joe Musgrove, very nice start at the lowly Cleveland Indians. Joe Musgrove, I, didn't, I don't know how he finished today, but he had 11 Ks through six. He was just dominating, finally doing what I believed he was capable of. 
Hopefully that's a precursor to what he does this week against the Indians. Lance Lynn at home against Houston. Lance Lynn has been an ace this year. No hesitation with him against the Astros offense. That really hasn't been too scary. Pablo Lopez, oh boy, at Atlanta. The number one offense against right-handed pitching. You recall about a week ago, nine days ago, whatever that was, uh, the Atlanta Braves scored 29 runs in one game. That game was started by Pablo Lopez. He went one and two thirds, gave up seven runs. So that's somewhere in the middle of the week, Wednesday or Thursday. We'll see how I handle that one. I'm really not sure yet. I might have to dodge that. Uh, Yu Darvish doesn't pitch. To, he pitches tonight, so he doesn't pitch again until the weekend at the White Sox. So not an easy assignment. And I don't know what the Cubs will do here because they're obviously a playoff team. They would get a day off after um, after the season, and then it goes right into that three-game set. I'm pretty sure. Um, for not the division series, whatever that the first round is called. So do they skip his start? I don't know if they'll skip his start because then it's like nine days between him pitching in the regular season and the playoffs. But I can see a pitch count. So you Darvish, he's been my ace. He's, he's a legitimate Cy Young candidate. Um, we kind of knew playing it all the way through the whistle. You know, usually we were wrapping up today. Uh, a week before the season ends to avoid stuff like this but we just this is what it is this year i'm hoping that i at least can get like i don't know 60 or 75 pitches out of you darvish and they don't skip them all together that would be a, a bummer to lose them i think they'll he'll throw he'll throw to stay sharp we'll see how that uh, how deep he goes zach gallon at home against the rockies the rockies are one of those teams obviously that where they're playing when you're facing them is that, that that's everything um, the advantage in Coors for their offenses, don't have to speak to that, everyone knows that, but um, maybe lesser known, just the disadvantage to them on the road. There's been a lot of conversation and I think some unofficial studies about how it's such a disadvantage that for them to play on the road because when those atmospheric changes occur, um, you know the, the ball doesn't move as much in Coors, the breaking balls are easier to hit, so you see less of them because they're less effective, so then they go on the road not only are the breakers a lot nastier but you see more of them and so it's like it's almost like you're swinging with the donut on right like they got the easy street at home and then everything gets a lot harder on the road so the rocky road um is a very favorable start for zach gallon i like that one luis castillo of the reds has been pimping out lately he gets the lowly brewers love his chances of dominating there and then rounded out with josh lindblom who has thrown a couple nice games lately himself he plays it's technically a home game, but it's like a part of a double dip, and it's going to be in St. Louis. Um, so they're the home team, but technically on the road. But that's that's a pretty, you know, it's a bottom 10-ish offense as well. So add it all up, 10 starts, six of them on the road. Average strength of schedule is 17, so just a, a hair easier than average. Got three starts versus top 10 teams. Got five starts versus bottom 10 teams. So it's kind of high and low, not much in the middle ground there as far as uh, the, the strength of schedule for my rotation this week. Sean also only has one two-star pitcher. That's Zach Davies. He's got a tough assignment at home on Tuesday against the Angels. Angels have hit righties very well. Sixth-ranked offense, according to Woba. And then he goes at San Francisco. Another team that they've been surprisingly good. Top 10 offense against righties. And, and even better at home, you would think that all right, maybe these, he's catching a break going to pitch in uh, what is now called Oracle Park, I believe. Um, they've been just as good in that big old spacious yard. So Davies, he's been good. We call him Kyle Hendricks light last week, but a couple tough assignments. So you'll take that to start, but, but tough road ahead for him. 
Um, not so much for Kyle Hendricks. One star dream matchup at the Pittsburgh Pirates, the worst offense in the league. He should shove Greg Maddox Jr. Sean also has Ian Anderson. He's at home against the Miami Marlins. I know they've surprised a little bit this year in terms of record. They're still a bottom 10 offense. Nice matchup for Anderson, the rookie, who got touched up a little bit by the Mets nest last time out, but they're they're very good offense this year. So an otherwise dominant debut season. That's a good matchup for Anderson. Uh, Zach Granke at the Mariners. He should cruise. There's a bottom offense there, about 12 or so. Matt Boyd at the Royals. They've been middle of the pack against lefties. He stymied the Royals earlier this week, but you just never know with Boyd. So an interesting matchup there. Um, see see if they can get to him this time around. Sean Manaya uh, at the Dodgers. Now, he's pitching really well after a slow start to the year. Usually you look at, at the Dodgers and, and you want to run the other way, but they haven't been that, that great against Southpaws this year. Pretty middle of the road, so I imagine they'll throw him. And then lastly, Jose Barrios, which is not listed currently to start next week. He's, I think he threw today or he's going tonight. Um, not listed to start on Yahoo uh, the rest of next week, but he is listed on, on ESPN. Um, but this one, kind of like the U Darvis situation. In fact, I think that's who he's facing tonight. But similar situation where twins are going to the playoffs. You assume that you know he might throw a little bit next week and as part of a tune-up. But they're going to want him pretty fresh for the uh, first round of the playoffs. So maybe a half a start there, much like Darvish again. Um, but that's at home against the, the Reds, who are a slightly below average offense themselves. So eight starts for Sean uh, versus my 10. Keep in mind, Sean's got a couple of starting pitcher eligible relievers that I don't have. So you add up their numbers, it's probably an extra start somewhere in there. So more like 10 starts to nine. Um, he's got, of those eight stars, five on the road. Same exact strength of schedule, 17, so no no advantages there either way. Two against the top 10, two against the bottom 10. So his are more kind of middle of the road, where mine are, have some really favorable ones and really unfavorable matchups. What else do we got here? Some pitching notes. Um, some bullpen news that certainly favors Sean. The Jays closer, Rafael Dolis. Don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Seemed to avoid serious injury on Friday when he slipped covering first base. Shouldn't really miss any significant time. Uh, Cardinals bullpen ace Giovanni Gallegos is set to return from the IL early this week. Saw Sean drop to Andrew Miller, so he's on top of that news. And then Aroldis Chapman on my squad. What the fuck's going on here? So if you recall, like three weeks ago, he threw at somebody. He got suspended three games. I had then, I played Boots. Then I had a bye week, so I wasn't really paying a ton of attention. I assumed that was all in the rearview mirror. Turns out this past Monday, he was appealing his suspension. Still haven't seen any news on it. So, I don't know. They might knock it down a game or two. They might hold a three-game suspension. I don't know what they're going to do, but something, unless they just wipe that off the board completely, um, I'll be without probably a role as Chapman for a game or two, or up to three games this week. So, um gonna have to navigate that i mean there's not much i can do i'm not gonna drop them and, and probably waste the move on speculating on another closer so i'm just hoping that uh he's not out for too long that is the matchup again it's just tight there there's a, technically a 4-2 edge and offensively for sean a 4-2 edge on the pitching side for Kamish. evenly matched as far as how many games our bats are playing pretty evenly matched on pitching strength of schedule and how many starts they have. Um, it's going to come down to the wire. As I mentioned, I have the tiebreaker, but Sean is, is red hot at the right time. My guys seem to be cooling, especially at the dish. So 
flip a coin. I don't know. This is a good matchup. This should be fun. A good close to the year. Best of luck to Sean. If you take it, you are deserving. And uh, I, I would consider you a multi-time champ, even if it's only uh, one and a half of an asterisk. Um, all right, guys. It's been a fun season. Thanks for listening.